Welcome into the Think Deeper podcast presented by Focus Press. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joe Wilkie, joined as always by Jack Wilkie and Will Harab. And Jack, actually, it looks like you took our last episode to heart. Jack has his suit coat on and is looking pretty slick, pretty fancy, um, out, outclassing both of us. And so he definitely was listening to the last episode. So good for him. Uh, I had and a Will has been... to run after church. Okay, I'm I'm uh-huh. overdressed. <laughs> I'm just putting you guys to shame. Really, is all it is. Uh, go figure. Go figure. Yeah. And uh, Will has been smoking six packs a day. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Will's voice is starting to leave. And so poor guy is getting sick. We had another member of the congregation dealing with the same thing. So that's kind of been um, coming around. And so he's got quite a low voice. So sorry, Will. Uh, to, I promise I did not take up smoking for all those. Yeah, no, yeah. no, we are not a pro smoking podcast. Um, so absolutely not. But we are um, we're going to roll right into this one. And Jack, this is an outline you put together. This is something that's been coming for a long time. We've talked about it a lot. I think it was a few months ago, even maybe a couple months ago that we were saying, hey, we need to roll this episode out. It kind of got tabled, pushed to the back burner for a second, because this is something that seems to be ever relevant. Um, it, it is, I mean, man, pretty much every week, it seems like you see something on Facebook, something on social media, something in the church that speaks to this specific issue. And uh, once again, we talked about recording one of these, and we mentioned this in uh, certain podcasts, multiple podcasts, I should say. But we've never really done a full episode on Romans 14. And so with that, Jack, I'm going to pass it over to you. You're the one that did the outline uh, that's kind of been driving this train. And I think you were the one that mentioned it a few months ago when we started talking about doing this. But get us into this Romans 14 uh, discussion. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll probably be doing some reading from it selectively through the episode. But uh, it'd be good to catch up with it if you're listening uh, to just read through the chapter. It is the chapter on matters of opinion. It's the chapter in the Bible in which Paul is... kind of going over with the Romans, hey, what you can and can't force. And and when you disagree on something where there's room for disagreement. And so it's incredibly important because so much of the rest of the New Testament, you've got a pretty clear teaching on that we need to follow. But there are going to be a lot of things, especially as time goes on, more things that the Bible doesn't directly address that we've got to figure out what to do about it. And so it's great that we have this chapter. On the other hand, it's a chapter that really gets... It can be misused. It can go off the rails very quickly. Uh, We have the question of how do you know when something's a matter of opinion? How do you uh, know when to relegate things to this and and when not to? Um, And so it's also something that applies in a ton of different discussions. We talked about dressing for church last week. Well, you had people say, well, it's a Romans 14 thing, so we just we can't really, you know, say anything about it. Or uh, it's all kinds of different issues, so many of which we have touched on, are Romans 14 issues. On the other hand, opinion opinions are there, but that doesn't mean that all opinions are equal at, at all times. Wisdom comes into it. Principles come into it. There's there's logistics that we have to get into that make this very difficult. It's, it's not cut and dry. And I think that's one of the blessings. And I, I want to lead with this. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but this is a blessing of the New Testament. That every we did not have 613 or whatever, however many enumerated laws. There's not as much. And there's a lot of it that's use your brain, use your heart, pray, use wisdom, give each other a little grace on these things where you come to a different comp- uh, conclusion. That's what this chapter is giving us. And so that's why we want to talk about it is because this is one of those that the principles we lay out here, you can map onto dozens of other episodes we've done, episodes we will, Lord willing, do in the future. And so it's important to get this right. One of the, excuse me, I'm going to try to work through this. I probably won't be talking much, but um, one of the things that I did want to say, 
as we introduce this episode is I'd be curious to ask those who are listening, do you think that for every single issue pertaining to God's word, every single biblical issue, do you think you have the 100% correct opinion on it? I would wager most people hopefully would have the humility to say, yeah, I think I've got it mostly right, but you know, I, I don't have the the arrogance, the pride to say, yeah, I've got every single issue correct, literally on every single thing. And I think that's an important principle to keep in mind here um, because we are going to be talking about some things that I have no doubt that maybe among our listeners, there's disagreement. We know there's disagreement in the church on some of these specific things that Romans 14 mentions, some of the things that we're going to talk about specifically. And I just, I think that there's a mindset, a perspective out there from some people that well, you you have to agree with me on every single thing. Otherwise, you know, we we can't be in fellowship or we can't, you know, I can't really view you as a brother. And I just think it's a, that's a very precarious position to put yourself in to assume that you have every single. And again, we're not talking primary stuff here. We're talking of the, the secondary and tertiary issues, the position that you have everything right and everybody else needs to side with you on every single little thing is a bit is a dangerous one. And so that's I just wanted to bring that up as we as we start this episode that. I'm sure I don't have everything exactly correct. And Jack, hopefully you agree. You probably don't have every single thing correct. And Joe, the same. It's not that we need to go around thinking, well, we don't, we can't know anything for sure. It's simply having the the humility to say, I believe what I believe about the Bible. And I might be wrong about maybe one or two things here and there. Does that make sense? This is the difficulty of uh, all of these doctrinal issues and why Romans 14 is so important is it reminds you not everything is a first level doctrine. There are things we can't disagree on, and that's okay. Like that, we need to acknowledge that. But to your point, the people who make it that we can't disagree on anything—that the like smallest matter of interpretation is is grounds of disfellowship—that's really dangerous, and it's really unhealthy for the church, for the individual. I think you get into the Matthew seven with judgment, uh, judgment, and you will be measured by the measure with which you judge others. Right. So. You have a lot of people that want to send people to hell for the smallest matters of interpretation and of opinion. That's a scary place to be for that reason is because if you're willing to send your brother into hell to cast him into hell based off of an opinion that you hold, how do you think God's going to judge you? Like that's a very scary thing. And so we want to make sure that basically we want to understand first things first, the, the, I guess the matters, most matters of importance, which I would say baptism, salvation, obviously, you know, worship practices, things like that. We want to get those things right, no doubt. When we're talking Romans 14, though, we're talking things like, which we're going to get into this discussion, Christmas. How do we celebrate Christmas? Uh, we are, I think by the time this drops, we're two weeks away from Christmas. That's, man, we're getting real close to the time of year where you have a lot of churches that are struggling with that specific it's thing. It's a hot button issue, yeah. Yes. Do we celebrate it? Do we not celebrate it? Um, in, within the church, that is. And then you have in your in each other's homes. Do you celebrate it in your home? Do you not? Do you have your little nativity scene up in in you know in your front yard, whatever it is, or do you not? Is that a matter of interpretation or opinion? Um, we, we talked off air, going to R-rated movies. I mean, there's things like that that, okay, I can't point to book, chapter, verse necessarily the way I can for something like baptism, of course, or, or faith in Christ, the Trinity, things like key things. We can't necessarily point to book, chapter, verse on these things, but they are important to the Christian faith. And this is where unity, I think, stays shallow in a church that's never willing to dive into these discussions because, well, you know, hey, it's it's not that important. Like, it is worth diving into these discussions. It's just we have to make sure that we are taking care of one another, that we're we're not beating people over the head one way or the other on this. But I think a, the easiest thing to do is to back away and not discuss it at all. 
And that's why I think you have a lot of churches of Christ that have weak fellowship is they're not really willing to take on any Romans 14 issues. So we agree on all the, the, you know, biggest matters of importance, baptism and such, but the way we live our lives is wildly different, drastically different throughout the week. It's like, well, Hey, it's Romans 14 type of thing, right? We can't really bind that. And so how close are we going to be if we are living two separate lives? This guy goes, sees R rated movies. This guy engages in, you know, who knows what um, he's, he's not really shown up to Sunday night worship. That's another one, right? Like you can't really bind that. He's not putting God first in a lot of ways. He's not praying that much during the week. And then another guy who's ultra into it. Well, we're brothers in Christ and this is matters of interpretation. Like how close, how unified are we going to be when you have people seemingly running in opposite directions when it comes to the faith? So that's why I think this discussion is so important and why we're bringing it up is it's so much more than just, okay, we got baptism, right? We got instruments, right? You know, things like that. That's fantastic. What about these secondary tertiary issues, as you mentioned, Will? And so I guess the, the question that I'd start with, there's a couple different places we could take it, but I do, Jack, I want you to at least illuminate what weaker, stronger brother is, because there's a lot of issue surrounding this where nobody wants to be the weaker brother, right? Nobody wants to say, well, excuse me, please don't call me weak. You know, that type of thing. Like it's not a pejorative. It's not a, a negative term the way that a lot of people think, but get into what weak, strong means. Yeah. I mean, that's directly from the text in Romans 14. And so if anyone takes it as an insult, Paul was not insulting the reader. He wasn't insulting members of the congregation who had these opinions. It was somebody who has a narrower set of interpretation on things they're allowed to do. Uh, narrower than what God has said. They kind of draw the fence a little tighter than what God has even allowed for. Uh, the stronger brother is one who leaves the fence where it is. Uh, and so one of the important things is there's no category for somebody who makes the fence too big. If you make the fence too big and you're allowing things God doesn't allow, you're in the wrong. On the other hand, there is an acceptable range in which you can undercut it, but you can't overshoot it, right? There's, there's, the, there's what God prescribed, what he did allow, there's what he did not allow and everything within what he did allow is, is there's where you differ on that is going to be a matter of opinion. And so the weaker is going to be somebody who tightens that up. And so it's talking about celebrating of days and uh, observing different days of, of eating meats and vegetables, things like that, uh, that they had interpretive issues over. And so there was a right and a wrong answer. And then within that right and wrong answer, there was how far are you willing to go with it? And so um, the weaker brother, and there's so many issues today that, the weaker brother doesn't want anything left to opinion. And so you never end up having any weaker brother because the weaker brother just thinks he's always right. He thinks he's drawn the fence exactly where it's supposed to be. And the other guy is going beyond the fence. Uh, they don't realize that they won't acknowledge that, Hey, I've, I've gone too far. I've drawn this thing a little bit tighter than it needs to be. And if somebody else wants to go farther than I'm comfortable with, they're not in sin. I'm just not comfortable with it. On the other hand, those that would consider themselves stronger have a danger in making everything an opinion well, we can disagree on this. I, I'm fine out here, you know, and they're 30 feet beyond the fence. Well, no, you're not. And and that's one of the very powerful tactics of progressivism is to just say, well, we can, we can both be right on this. We can, you know, there's not really a hard fence there. No, there's a hard fence somewhere. Okay. And, and so these are matters of opinion, but there at some point has to be a line drawn. There has to be a fence somewhere where principle comes in, where, where, God has legislated. And so the opinion so, has to be set by the, the, the hard lines and facts. I think that's a, that's a great way to summarize that I did want, and my voice is probably not the one that needs to do it. I wanted to read the first eight verses of Romans 14 here um, to kind of, again, 
hopefully you've already, our listeners have already read it or maybe have their Bible out and can follow along. Um, but just to give very, you know, biblical parameters to exactly what Jack just said, because in those first eight verses, we get two crystal clear examples of what Paul is talking about here. The things that there were going to be disputes over and the things that he clearly labels is kind of a stronger brother, weaker brother thing that, you know, at the end of the day was not a sin issue. So I don't know if one of you guys with a bit clearer of a voice wants to read those first eight verses. Um, But I think it would, uh, again, kind of help illuminate what Jack just said as far as when to bind stronger, weaker brother, that kind of thing. Sure. I got it. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard that with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Did you, you going to follow up on that, Joe? I mean, I'll jump back in. Oh, sorry. sorry. Um, I mean, it just sets the parameters <laughs> pretty well. But uh, uh, on a, there's there's two rules here. For the weaker brother, you don't judge uh, the stronger brother for doing things that you're not comfortable with. It's okay that you're not comfortable with it. It's not okay if you make everybody stay inside the lines that you're comfortable with. For the stronger brother, you can't look at the weaker brother as you know, dumb or just missing the point. If they say, look, I'm not comfortable with that. Respect that respect that their conscience is wanting to be right with God. And they really believe that they're not allowed to do this thing that, that you think it's okay uh, to do and, and that you do have room on. Okay. Don't look down on them for, for having a conscience that restricts them. That's okay. And then on the other hand, don't restrict them to where your conscience is. Don't bring everybody to the level that you're comfortable with and then call them a heretic or a, a sinner or whatever. If they go beyond that, you know, fair enough. Pretty two pretty uh, straight line rules we have here. Here's the issue that you run into. How do you know? So you talked about the, the the parameters, right? Like this fence and the stronger brother has there is that temptation. Everything's opinion. Let's just make this fence as big as possible. I can basically do whatever I want because it's all opinion and I feel right with God. And I do think you have in the progressive movement kind of the most the blues brothers like me and God have an understanding, right? Um I think there is that in progressivism of like, hey, I'm good with God. I know I'm good with God. I have this personal relationship with him. Therefore, I can get away with anything that I want. That's a very scary thing. I would say it's also scary on the other end, as you talked about, Jack. How do we know how to draw the fence, basically? And I think this gets into a hermeneutic discussion, which can be really difficult. That opens the, the door wide to, is it command, example, necessary inference is kind of the, the typical hermeneutic we take. I think it's difficult to know exactly where the line is on things, but this gets us into, and I don't even know if we're, we're quite ready for this discussion. I, I guess how we know where we are in this is part of this discussion, but the lines drawn has so much to do with Proverbs, in my opinion. It has so much to do with wisdom. Maybe we can't, it's kind of like, what's the purpose of the fence in the first place? I guess the, the purpose of the fence is to draw us closer to God, to make sure that we are pleasing to God in all aspects. I just taught on Colossians 1 today. 
walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? He talks about be holy, blameless, um, beyond reproach. He's going to say in 121, I think. Like that's the purpose of the fence is I want to establish a fence that's going to cause me to be pleasing to God. I feel like the stronger brother who wants to just ever expand the fence and get it as wide as possible. His whole point is to live life unencumbered and to live quote unquote free. But I don't know that it's really to bring glory to God and everything that he does to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And this is where the wisdom comes in is I can't necessarily find book chapter verse for some of these things, but the wisdom of the moment reading the Proverbs and such, you can't bind that. But yes, that's how I'm going to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Does that make sense? So I feel like as you're talking about the fence discussion, there has to be a discussion surrounding wisdom where I can't necessarily point to the command or the example or whatever it is to to determine that on what the, the outside basis is. It's going to be a wisdom thing. On the flip side, though, to the uh, to the weaker brother, I would also say there's a level of wisdom there. They're timid. They don't want to come out of anything other than maybe like a, a 10 square foot box because they're afraid of maybe upsetting God. And I understand maybe they have the right mindset there as well. But I also think they're lacking wisdom in some ways. So I, I do think Proverbs heavily factors and, and the wisdom side of it heavily factors into this discussion, if that makes sense. This is where the, I don't know, the common sense portion, I guess, needs to come in. And, and we still really haven't gotten into any kind of specifics um, because what everybody's going to want to know is, okay, well, how do you know if something's a Romans 14 issue? Well, you know, how do, how do we, because there are people who very passionately believe, let's go ahead and get practical here. Any kind of religious celebration of Christmas is wrong. That it is a sin. Well, in their minds, that's not a Romans four, or that's certainly not a Romans fourteen issue. That's a sin issue. There are others who would say, you know, maybe they don't even have an opinion one way or another on it, but they're certainly not going to call something a sin or not, or could call that a sin. And so they would say that it is a Romans fourteen issue. And that's, I think, really where the heart of this episode is going to go. Is we have to kind of draw some lines on what is a. Romans 14 issue and what is not. And in addition to that, Joe, you just spoke on this, just because something might be a Romans 14 issue doesn't mean that all discussion needs to be shut down on it. That, oh, well, I guess we can't talk about it because it's a Romans 14 issue. Um, we've had that position brought up before with things like modesty and you know education choices that we can get into a little bit later. But while the Bible may not legislate book, chapter, verse command on, there are certain principles that we need to, that we need to discuss, certain wisdom principles that need to be brought up. So, Jack, I don't know where you want to go next as far as, I mean, we kind of covered the weaker, stronger. Maybe talk about how to know when you are the weaker or the stronger brother on an issue. Because something that's been brought up before, um, I think by all three of us on a different episode, Joe, you might be the weaker brother on one issue and a stronger brother on the, and a stronger brother on a different issue. You know, there are different issues to where, you know, it's not a, a label of, well, Jack's just the weaker brother in every single issue. Jack might be the weaker brother on XYZ issue, and he might be the stronger bro brother on another issue. To me, the point of Romans 14 is we have to figure out not necessarily who to who to select as the correct one. Like for all these issues, well, Jack as the weaker brother is correct on this issue and Joe is not, or vice versa. The goal of Romans 14 is how are you going to live together? As brothers and sisters, how are you going to have fellowship with each other knowing that you're going to have differing opinions? As Jack said, you can't do that for every single issue. There are issues that if you're going to disagree on them, yeah, you can't be in fellowship. You can't be called a brother or sister in Christ. The point of Romans 14 is, okay, for all those issues that are not those things, how are you going to live together and be in fellowship? Not how are you going to convince the other one to join your side? 
how are you going to each be fully convinced in your own mind? Does that make sense? Yeah, this is the hard part about this is there's a very pervasive attitude, especially in the churches of Christ of, I don't interpret the Bible. I just read it. No, everybody interprets it. Things that don't require much in, in interpretation, uh, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, there's not any interpretation there. That just is what it is. On the other hand, some things have multiple, multiple layers of, of uh, interpretation where you've got to bring in a text from over here and a text from over here and how did Paul mean it and how did Matthew mean it and how did John mean it and uh, like bring these things together. And, uh, you know, you see these things. It's so funny. You'll see somebody do an hour long YouTube video going down all those rabbit trails and they look like the guy from the meme where he's got like the the conspiracy board behind him, you know, the strings, this connects to this, this connects to this. And you get to the end, they go, just couldn't be any more simple. Like, <laughs> hang on now. Like, it, yeah. no, what cannot get any more simple is, you know, baptism now saves you. And people want to make that blurry and muddy. It's not, okay? So there's not interpretation on something like that. There's not interpretation on a lot of these things. On others, again, it's, you know, this drives me crazy. People like to just drop one verse. Like, that's the answer. Like, it's not, though because somebody else has a counterverse that is just as strong and we've got to synthesize and bring all these things together. And so number one, we have to acknowledge that interpretation happens. And the more unclear it is, the more interpretation has to be done, the more dots, um, that, that's really it. The more dots have to be connected to get to a conclusion, the more it ventures into the realm of uh, a matter of opinion. And so you have to realize there's going to be things like that. Um, one of the other things we have on this outline we need to get to the uh, uh, term that somebody coined the tyranny of the weaker brother that is a real problem especially in the church where the weaker brother who is very convinced about where they are they're convinced to go further as a sin everybody has to come to their level everybody has to do it the way they would do it the, there's no point at which they allow people to go beyond themselves they judge they condemn they uh, the word false doctrine gets thrown around like crazy um it just anything's false doctrine if I'm not okay with it. No, false doctrine is a very specific thing. It's it's a very heavy label to throw around. And so, no, we can't just label everything we don't like false doctrine. And there's got to be something where we look at and go, there's room for disagreement on this. As Will said earlier, if there's nothing in the Bible that you look at and go, well, I could see somebody coming to a different conclusion genuinely. And even though I would disagree with them, I think they'd be okay with God. If you don't allow for that, Cut Romans 14 out of your Bible. It shouldn't exist. And so you've got that tyranny of the weaker brother thing where they always want it their way. But to Joe's point about the place of wisdom, this is the real issue underlying this whole thing. And it's what's driving this episode. It's a an interpretation and an approach to the Bible that basically looks at it as a law, as a legal textbook, and says, look, if there's not a command, if there's not a, a very clear thing like that in there, we just can't say anything about it. Yes, we can uh, like that is right. just unbelievable. And as Will was saying, it's used to shut down discussion. We're not legalists like that. And that's the beauty of the New Testament. God didn't enumerate all those laws. He gave us room to use our brains and put principles together. And people run in and go, well, you can't bind that. No, but you can recommend. You can so, point out. You can you can build cases, I guess would be the way to put it. To this point, <clears throat> excuse me, I always hear people say, you know, God gave us free will because if he wanted to to create robots who just did everything a certain way, he could have done that. But no, he he chose to create people who wanted to follow him. I think that same line of reasoning falls right in with exactly what Jack's saying. If God wanted us to, you know, basically have the answer for every single way that we live our lives, number one, he could have provided that. But number two, why did he not? 
because what kind of what kind of free will would we have we it would basically be like well okay it's what god says you know what i mean so like there are principles there that god does want us to choose yes to follow him and to draw closer to him but the reason he didn't give us the an answer for every single little issue is because it essentially would be just creating a bunch of robots who all right we got the we got the answer sheet we got the cheat code let's just you know let's just do exactly what this says for every single issue he didn't do it that way and i think he didn't do it that way on purpose i think it's also like a a way that we are glorified above the old law you know that we are the kingdom of priests now and all that that in the old law they were limited it was basically your children you've got to be handed what children have to be had you know where when you're a teenager you're growing into adulthood and all that you get the keys you get to do a little bit more that's what we have and to throw that away and want to go back to being children well you don't have a verse so we we just can't bind that like and i want to give a practical example before we get you back in here joe we've talked a lot about the disney thing and man, Romans 14, Bible doesn't say thou shalt boycott Disney. Kind of weird. They forgot to put that one in there, I guess, like that 2000 years ago, you know, he, he forgot to add that to the list. And our whole point is like, there's a lot of principles you can put together of maybe don't walk into a park in which a trans man dressed up as Princess Snow White wants to come up and give your kid a hug. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have a problem saying you don't need to be doing that. Oh, you can't bind that. You're going to disfellowship. Stop. Turn your brain on and engage in a conversation of wisdom. Good, better, best. Is this something we ought to be doing? Not is there a command that says you got to boycott Disney? That That's the shutting down discussion thing we're talking about. And it doesn't shut down discussion. It gives the framework for discussion. Okay, I can't bind this. I don't have a law I can point to, but I can advocate strongly to say this is the right thing to do. As Will already mentioned, that's the same thing with schooling. We are strong, strong homeschool advocates. And we've got a million and one reasons as to why I think you should homeschool your kids or private school or, or Christian school, whatever it is, getting them out of the public school. Well, you can't bind that. And and again, the shuts down discussion. No, it is not shutting down the discussion. There still is a discussion to be had. And just because you come ill prepared, you come to a uh, you know gunfight with a knife. Sorry, that's not my fault. Like you came ill prepared without any evidence other than you can't bind that. Yes, but what's best practice? And once again, getting back to your fence point, Jack. It's the relationship that builds the fence. And, and to your point, Will, God wants the relationship. He's always wanted the heart. Back to Adam and Eve. He's always wanted the heart. Even within giving the law of the Old Testament, the whole point was, and Jesus makes this very clear with the Sermon on the Mount, right? He's showing the heart behind the law. Like you're, okay, great. You're not lust or you're not committing adultery, but you're still lusting. You're not murdering, but you're still angry with your brother and calling them all sorts of names. Like there's the heart behind it and God's always wanted that. And so that's what frames are like every person has a fence so to speak every single christian has a fence as to what they allow what they don't allow and that is built on the relationship with god and if you can point to scripture you feel very assured in your understanding reasoning of scripture and you say this is what's going to bring me closer to god that's what we're talking about sometimes that's going to be a more restricted conscience be weaker sometimes it's going to be a little more open but inherent is in that is I have a strong desire to have a relationship with God, and I am trying to back this up in Scripture to the best of my ability. I'm not coming out with some wild thing of, uh, you know, Beth Moore told me to do it. No, this is grounded in Scripture, and somebody may come and go, hey, what about this Scripture? Have you considered this? Have you considered that? That's how we have these discussions, is have you considered this point, the wisdom of this certain thing? And I would look at it, and I would go, what's going to bring you closer to God? giving hundreds or thousands of dollars to Disney, putting your kids in front of a trans agenda, um, you know, basically radicalizing your kids from a young age, same with the public school or not. Can we have a discussion on what's wise and what's drawing us into a closer relationship, specifically our kids into a closer relationship with God? That's the discussion that ought to be had. 
Well, we've railed on this before. This is why so many Christian families are kind of being hung out to dry on these issues. It's because our pulpits are not teaching these things that you quote unquote can't bind. It's kind of, and again, that's a generalization, but for the most part, in our pulpits, preachers are teaching and preaching things that are only book, chapter, verse commands. We should be teaching those things. Don't mishear me. But this attitude of, well, let's just leave out everything that might be, you know, might have some disagreement on or might be, you know, some interpretive differences on Christian parents and Christian families need and want to know how to handle these things. And, we're, and they're not getting preached on, you know, from the pulpit. They're not getting taught on. And so I do think that's part of the, the breakdown of the Christian home is – Christian parents are kind of left without answers on how to handle these things. And so they just go with the flow. I guess I'll just do what everybody else is doing. If it doesn't really matter, if it really is a Romans 14 issue where I send my kids to school or how I allow my kids to dress or whatever it is, lo and behold, we've got families that are disintegrating spiritually before our very eyes. Something my wife just, it drives her insane is uh, like Facebook parenting groups or, you know, mom blogs or whatever, that there will be something that is just like stone cold scientific fact. This is like, there's a better thing to do for your kids, you know, a, a way of raising them discipline. I mean, just things that like, uh, whatever in, in topic it is, but there's a few of these things and somebody will put that out there and they get attacked like crazy. Nope. Nope. However, anybody wants to, whatever works for you, that's what's best. You can't talk about which one's better. Like, but it's true. It's facts. And I'm sorry if it hurts your feelings that you're choosing to do otherwise, or you, you know, same thing, you know, people, well, not everybody can. Okay. Well, you know, I'm sorry that, that doesn't change the fact that if they could, it would be better if they did. And and you just run into this. I think to, give an example, to give an example of what you're talking about with the parenting thing, like parents who let their kids just stare at a screen all day or eat whatever yes. kind of junk food they want. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And they say that, you know, oh, you're parent shaming. If you tell you, you know, tell that mom that she shouldn't put an iPad in front of her kid eight hours a day. Like, I guess I am. I, okay. I'm, I'm help. Which one loves the kid here? The, the right. person who's just going to coddle the mom and, and help her feel better about herself and tell her you're doing a great job, you know, like. We got to stop doing that. We have to say some things are better than others. Some choices are better than others. And that it is there. There's a room for opinion. There's gray area. There's not a, a hard line. But this is a point I made to you guys when we were kind of putting the outline together. There was a Supreme Court case about obscenity, pornography, something like that in the 60s. And they're having a hard time like defining at what point. Does, is the line crossed? What is too far? You know, like, is this, is that, you know, is this obscene? Is that obscene? And one of the justices, I think it was Justice Potter Stewart was his name, um, said, look, I can't tell you what it is. I just know it when I see it. And on the one hand, like for a Supreme Court justice, that's incredibly unscientific, like incredibly un, undefined. And that's a little tough to work Very on. subjective. On the other hand, you kind of get it. Like there's, there's things that are clearly not there are things that blur the gray area. Some of it probably crosses. Some of it probably doesn't. And then there's stuff that there's just blatantly like there's no no discussion. There, there's no question on that. And what I think we do in the church is we blend all of these things together and make them all the same. It's like, no, some things, even though we don't have a hard, fast line, some things are just over the line. They just are. And, and we have to be able to say that even though there's a large gray area that is Romans 14 that some of the people might actually be on the wrong side of and, and some of the people might be on the right side of. And, and it's kind of hard to say, OK, but the absolutely specific things. And so, uh, you know, bring you guys just did a gym episode on entertainment choices. There's a lot of gray area in that. The Bible doesn't say a lot about movies. OK, I mean, like it. once again, this is where we were given brains. 
to extrapolate principles and use them. And so some people might think Christians should not watch movies at all. I kind of trended that direction myself for a little while, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not quite there anymore. Uh, movies with language, movies with it, this, that, or the other thing. And so there's a lot of, well, you just can't say, and it, it's, it's up to everyone to determine what they're okay with. To a degree, I think there are certain movies, uh, you know, The Wolf of Wall Street, that is packed with nudity, drugs, uh, sex. Uh, uh, One of the worst movies it? ever put out. Yeah. Was it like 500 yeah. F words or something? No, it's like 800 that? or yeah. 700 plus. 700 plus. In like a two hour movie. Words, yeah. Yeah. It, and so, and not that we've seen it. This is just, you know, reading the, the plugged in or whoever kids in mind, whoever did it. Um, you, you can't come in and Romans 14 doesn't tell us what's wrong. You can say that's wrong. So that's my point about Same the whole, like, I, I know, gray and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I know it when I see it. Okay. They're game of Thrones. You know, like somebody said, you want to watch Lord of the Rings or watch game of Thrones, watch Lord of the Rings and every 10 minutes stop and watch some porn. Like that, that's yeah. kind of the, the same idea as they were going for this medieval feel with a lot of sex in it. No, don't watch that. I'm okay saying it's wrong for a Christian to watch it. Well, where's your Bible verse? I have a brain. I've got principles in the Bible that tell me what things I shouldn't be looking at. I know at which point it crossed the line. Again, now there's a lot of things that I wouldn't watch that somebody else does where it's like, we got to give a little bit of room here. There's things I might watch that somebody else might not. But there are certain things where it's like, we can say this is wrong. That's always the, sorry, go for it, Will. No, you go ahead. I'm going to move on to something else. You go ahead. No, I was, that's just always the toughest part is it goes back to, I think, Jack, you were making the point of the legalism. We really want that checkbox. We really want to just be told, what can I do? This the rich young ruler. Order. Give me the list. And Jesus yeah, says, where's exactly your heart? It. And that was the problem. That's exactly it. Well, this is the issue with this is I, I'm sure there are listeners to this podcast going, OK, guys, like tell us what entertainment choices, maybe what that is. We can't. And I'm not going to necessarily judge you, but at what point does that become a judgment? I do think it is the eye test. Now, here's the issue. There are some Christians that I think their conscience has been seared to the point that they would watch Wolf of Wall Street and go, what's the problem with that? Now, how did they get to the seared conscience point? And can we still consider them brothers, sisters in Christ? By going over the line that? a little bit here and there. Yeah, correct. Like they and so this is the point is they probably took what was their conscience and they stretched it a little bit, way more than it should have. It's like a rubber band. They stretched it and then they stretched a little bit more and they stretched a little bit more. And it gets to the point where it like has no form. It has no shape of what it was before. And I think that's a very dangerous part of this discussion is to make sure if we are going to take the side of liberty, once again, what is the point of the liberty? It is, okay, for entertainment, you're not necessarily being drawn closer to God and watching uh, some Disney movie. I shouldn't say Disney. I'm trying to think of some, <laughs> some you know, um, some filthy benign movie. movie. So, oh, or some, some, some benign. I'm oh, I'm sorry. Some benign movie. Yeah. I'm not necessarily being drawn closer to God because I'm watching Star Wars. You know, I'm not. Uh, but at the same time, it's not taking me further from God right now. Wolf of Wall Street, I feel like that very much is taking me further from God. There's a large spectrum in between, and this is for each person to know. What I will say is be very careful pushing the conscience. Well, it's not Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but it's not Star Wars either. It's somewhere in the middle. Transformers might be one of those with Megan Fox, you know, just very immodest. Should I be watching it? If you have that in the back of your mind going, okay, this isn't what I used to watch. My parents would have never let me watch this. Yeah, it's it's kind of an adult thing. You know, I probably shouldn't be, but hey, I'm an adult. We're all we're all okay. I'm not lusting, whatever it is. Okay, now we're starting that process of searing the conscience over to the point where you can get to the other side. And to me, that is wrong, where you begin the searing the conscience side, where you're starting to take that out. Once again, it's so subjective. I don't know what's going to sear somebody's well, conscience. Well, I, I wanted to say this. I know Will's got a point to, to move on. So just hang on sure. your thought for just a second here. 
yeah, you're um, about the subjective thing. We're dealing on principles and not commands. That's what you have to realize. That's what we said that Romans 14 starts the discussion is the recognition that it's principles and not commands. What frustrates me about the people that use it to shut down the discussion is they won't allow the principles to be discussed. Because the other thing is we can give a, a principle of like, you should not watch something that is going to draw you further from God. That's a good biblical principle, right? Yeah. The application of that, okay, what draws me further from God? What is coming between me and God is going to vary person to person. And sure. so because it varies, that's what the people that are shutting it down say, because of that, we just shouldn't talk about these principles and, and act like there's a specific you know way to handle this. No, we should. We should acknowledge that, hey, we're, we're not all going to agree exactly on how this comes down, but we should get the principles out there and all amen the principles. Because I think the problem that you have is there are people that don't amen the principles, the people that want to skirt the principles that are using the shutting down of the Romans 14. And I'm not saying everybody who shuts the Romans 14 discussion down does, but the people or use the Romans 14 to shut the discussion down. I'm not saying they all do, but I think some of them do. And I think the people that do shut that down are opening a door for other people to ignore the principles of the Bible. It's actually a really good point. So, yeah, no, that's a great point. What do you, so, you mean actually? That's backhanded. I was, I was shocked. Yeah, no. No, I Jack hadn't made thought a good of point that. For once, no. Yeah, wow, guess. that's exactly. No, I hadn't thought of it from that angle before. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's we discussed a lot of this stuff off air, and that's something you did not discuss. And I thought, hey, that's that's pretty good. So Go we've it, gotten man. very practical in the last few minutes, and I was talking to the guys before. I think that's always very helpful um for listeners is when you know if you just kind of talk esoterically and you know kind of intangibly it's hard to grasp so i'm going to go back to romans 14 and i'm going to read um i'm going to read 14 through 17 and kind of give some practical examples of how i think this applies and guys if i'm off you can correct me and maybe give your take on it uh romans 14 starting in verse 14 i know and i'm convinced by the lord jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself but to him who considers anything to be unclean to him it is unclean Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So here in Romans 14, Paul is talking about disagreements over clean and unclean foods. Obviously, this is a Jew-Gentile thing where the Jews would have still, you know, Jewish Christians, I should have say, I should say, would have held certain foods as unclean, whereas Gentile Christians didn't have those restrictions before, so they're not going to have them now. To me, the application of that put it into modern day terms, because you always you always get the question of what does the weaker brother need to do? What does the stronger brother need to do? The command there is very clear that we should not, the stronger brother should not destroy or cause the weaker brother to stumble based on his freedom, based on his liberty. So in a modern day application of that for me, you know, would be, you know, if they were having fellowship meals back then, the the uh, stronger brother Gentile Christian is not going to bring his unclean food to the fellowship meal, right? He can eat that food at his home, and the Gentile brother or the Jewish brother, the weaker brother, is not going to have anything to say about that. But while they're together, maybe you don't make them stumble. Now let's go. Let's draw in the religious holiday debate, guys. I'm curious what your take is. Let me tell you the way that I would read this: is you have the weaker brother who maybe says, "Hey, we should not be celebrating." Christmas religiously as a church. You have the stronger brother who says, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm going to choose not to where you get the way that I would apply it is in order to not make the weaker brother stumble in order to um, not destroy for the sake of, you know, a holiday discussion, the one for whom Christ died, maybe as a congregation, you don't celebrate it religiously, you know? And so that's kind of the stronger brother kind of giving in there. But on the flip side, when it comes to people's own homes and kind of outside the congregation, 
the weaker brother needs to allow the, the stronger to basically celebrate however they want. Does that make sense? To me, that's where the, this practicality comes in of, yeah, I don't want to make somebody stumble because I'm okay with celebrating Christmas and the other person is not. However, if if they drive by my house and I've got Christmas lights up or a nativity scene set up and they you know, want to want to apply their conscience onto me in my own home, that's where I think the weaker brother is crossing the line. Do you see what I'm saying there? And so I'm curious what y'all's thoughts are on that. That's kind of a very much, again, you know, Paul's not really, Paul's talking about food there and unclean, clean and unclean foods. For us, it's Christmas time. This is a pretty pertinent topic. How do you think it applies very practically speaking today? I think this is where you have to be really careful of the tyranny of the weaker brother thing, because under that logic, every 50-50 coin flip decision the church has, they will run the show. And so sure. it would also be very in, enticing for somebody. Uh, there, there's an incentive there to always be the weaker brother because then you win every time. And you see this, okay, people don't want to talk about this anymore, but it's so useful. And I think it's pretty handy to keep it, uh, it nearby because there were so many lessons from it. COVID, weaker brother was the one that said everyone needs it. And, and a lot of churches, uh, you know, a face mask, but some beyond that, look, I don't want to sit next to you if you don't have the shot. Okay. And so if you say, well, you know what, for the weaker brother's sake, we, we need to everybody, at least wear everybody wear a mask. Well, if everybody else is okay with it and one guy's not, it's like, man, you can wear yours. You can't force everybody else to comply. And so on the Christmas issue to bring it back around to that, I was at a congregation one time. And before we get to all this, I know there are people who listen, who are like, this is not a matter of opinion. This is not up for that. Consider you might be the person who is, is drawing a line tighter than it is because there's, uh, Again, it, it Paul literally mentioned holidays in verse five to observance of days. And it, it's yep. just it's one of those that it's a matter of interpretation because you got to string a bunch of principles together and not a commandment. You can say, well, we don't have a commandment to celebrate the Lord's birth. You're right. We don't. We also didn't have a, cel- a commandment to celebrate Thanksgiving. And most churches I know had a Wednesday night Thanksgiving service. And so, like, uh, was there a sin there? Was it was that across the line? So anyway, we can that debate is out there. But I'm just saying. Let's just, we're taking it as a matter of opinion. I was at a congregation where there were about six men in leadership. I didn't care either way. I said, whatever you guys want to do, Christmas sermon, I won't, I will, whatever you say. Five out of six were very pro-Christmas sermon, wanted a birth of Jesus sermon. The sixth one did not. We did it. And he lived with it. He didn't like it. He kind of, you know, muttered about it here and there. But he didn't, he didn't think it was like condemning our whole church. He just... That was not his preference. Well, I, I kind of think it's not like it's a vote, but on the other hand, if it's so overwhelmingly that everybody's okay with so, it, but one guy, he, he doesn't get to drive the church. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I completely understand. I mean, when you pull up the, when you bring up the mass and the vaccines thing, that is completely, in my opinion, an abuse of tyranny of the weaker brother when it's like, yeah, everybody here has to get a vaccine and wear a mask. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to be made to stumble. I think that's ridiculous. However, how then do you apply verse 23 um, of Romans 14, he who doubts is condemned if he eats. To me, to use the Christmas analogy, if you have somebody who truly believes that they their conscience is being violated, that they believe it would be wrong for them to celebrate Christmas as a congregation or however, how does that play into it? Because I think there is a difference there of like, I don't know, somebody truly believes, no, I'm going to be in sin if I listen to a Christmas Day sermon. Now, the key is I don't think people actually believe that. I think it's more of a, they kind of want to have the moral high ground thing that we've discussed before. However, 
verse 23 does seem to imply that if you believe that something is, if your conscience tells you something is wrong and you choose to do it anyway, you are in sin. Whereas the stronger brother has the has more liberty and you know doesn't affect his conscience, and so therefore he's not in sin. I know we brought that up before. Is that your conscience kind of does have a a say so on this? So Jack or Joe, either one, how does that apply to what you're talking about there, Jack? Um, yeah, I was going to pass that to Joe because it's a hard question, but I guess I'll take it back. Um, <laughs> either one of you. Either one of you. Yeah. Well, here's here's another thing that before I get to the point, I want to add to this: the people that use Romans 14 to shut discussion down. This is why it's so harmful that they do that because you have to do something you know well romans 14 about christmas okay but what's the church going to do and if you default to romans 14 means we just never the weaker brother never has to go along with other people or whatever on the other hand you say you know if they do it they're condemned i know some people who would just go to another congregation exclusively on christmas and easter to to dodge those sermons i don't know that that's great because they're at the point where they are subverting their elders saying i'm submitting to you except for not in this one um, but their conscience, I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing to handle. Um, I, I really don't know. And, and you know, I full steel, man. I really think there are people that would be deeply uncomfortable to the point of thinking they might be doing something wrong. And to that person. Yeah. I, I can't tell them you have to do that. I, I really, you're put in a tough spot there. On the other hand, I don't think it would be healthy to tell them, you get to dictate what everybody in this congregation does. Like, hey, sure. you're part of this family and there's going to be things that we do that you are dead set against every now and then. You know, if it was everything, if it, was, it was a lot of things. If it was more than a few things. They probably wouldn't be there. But, you know, this is finding unity with each other is kind of living through things that you don't like sometimes that you're, that you're not in favor of. I think this is to that point. This is where elders or leadership needs to study with them. They need to make their points known and say, hey, I'm not OK with this. Let's study this together. And if and when it comes out that this is an opinion, a matter of opinion, if you can point to why you absolutely believe this is a, you know, and some people will never come off of that. This isn't a matter of opinion, and here's why. If they can be convinced, they don't even have to be convinced of the other person's opinion, right? They can still hold firm to, hey, I believe Christmas is wrong, but I do believe that's an opinion of mine. In that sense, I do think that they can go along for that one Sunday when everybody else that is, because they realize sure. it's an opinion. If they can be swayed, that's after a, a, you know, after a deep discussion with the men of the congregation, whatever it may be, a deep study. If the men of the congregation see that this person's really not coming off of it, they have been studying, you know, in my opinion, I would say it's better to not. However, if that continues to happen, that is where, again, we're dangerously close to hitting that tyranny of, of the weaker brother, where you go, brother, you've fallen on the weaker end and we've gone your way the last three times. I'm sorry, but clearly something's going on and here's a i guess a question for you guys is the goal it doesn't seem like it in romans 14 but should the goal be taking a weaker brother and making him a stronger brother or is that is that a a bad goal in general and i know will as you talked about sometimes weaker stronger you'll be weaker in one thing stronger than the other but should the idea be getting them to you know have a better conscience or a stronger conscience or should we just let them stay in that? Because Paul seems to indicate he is right. His strong conscience is correct. He's going to say this. Verse 14. In, think, 14 yeah. Verse 14 and in 15 verse 1. Like he seems to show, yes, the strength or the strong conscience is better. So should the person with the weak conscience, let's say about Christmas, should they be trying to get to the point where their conscience is stronger about it? And I think that has to start with whether the question is yes or no, that has to start with them recognizing it is an opinion. 
and Correct. not something that can be bound. Well, that's the hardest thing in the world is for the weaker brother to realize this is just my opinion. They have the hardest spot in this whole thing is allowing something that you're just not comfortable with and, and saying it's not wrong. I really am not comfortable with it. I really would not do it, but the other person's not in the wrong. That's really hard to do. Uh, and, and so I think it would be fair to say it, it's good to hope that they come around to the mature position. It's not okay to expect it like, sure. all right, you know, come around or, yeah. you know, like give them time. And if they don't, then they didn't, you know, like I, I was, some people just won't. I was just going to say, yeah, I don't, I don't read from Romans 14, Paul saying, Hey, let's try to get everybody to the stronger brother position. Joe, I get why you asked the question because it seems as though the stronger brother position is correct. Um, from what I see in Romans 14, Paul is simply trying to set the framework for this is how you operate under, yeah. you know, these disagreements. And this is how you come together. This is how you yeah, to create unity, create unity. You, you have your different consciences, your di not different consciences, but different margins for error, a different margins for your conscience. What I'm trying to say, um, and you live with it and you be unified with it and you, and you, you can still fellowship and you have a clear line on what is a primary doctrinal issue. And for those of, for those issues that are not, that are matters of opinion, you don't, the stronger doesn't make the weaker brother stumble and the weaker doesn't bind his conscience on the stronger. Um, Joe, you mentioned how that's, well, that's pretty idealistic of you, Paul, you know, kind of, kind of tough to do. And, and we do see that today. That is very tough because it seems as though the weaker does kind of always want to basically not budge on anything. And so it's the stronger brother who's continually having to give in and give in and give in. Um, so yeah, that's what makes it tough. But to to your question specifically, Joe, I I don't see that, but at least from Romans 14, that we should be trying to move everybody to the stronger position. It's just more so this is how you live with each other and this is how you have unity. Mm -hmm. So this is what goes back to your point, Will, or the question that you asked. If the weaker brother drives by the stronger brother's house wants to disfellowship, I do think that's wrong. It is within oh, absolutely. The, it is within the stronger brother's position, right, to be able to do that on his own in his own way with his own conscience, specifically when it comes to like Christmas, in my opinion. As far as it goes with the church, I would say, yeah, I, I think if the person is not swayed through a Bible study and they're very convinced, look, Paul says I'll give up the eating of meat if that's the case. We're not looking to make a brother stumble. So I do think where I would have a problem is when two, three, four times comes around, the same guy is is, you know, basically calling the shots for the church because he's always the weaker brother. There needs to be a much more serious discussion about it. If every single time you go to do a Bible study with the guy, it always comes back around to, nope, this is absolutely the way it is. We want to make sure, and I guess that's my point is taking the weaker to the stronger. He needs to become stronger in the fact that stronger means I'm able to see a little more as opinion. He, The weaker brother is the person that is legalistic, you know, wanting to get everything absolutely right. We can see why that's the case, but I do believe over the course of Christianity, over the course of your Christian life, you should go from less legalism to more relationship. And I'm not pitting sure. those things completely against one another, but the checklist mentality to, I just really want to please God. And there are things that may not be wrong, quote unquote, all things are, you know, all things are, what does he say? Um, profitable, all all, are lawful, lawful but not and, profitable. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. I kept trying to do it backwards. All things are lawful and all things are profitable. That's a relationship that we're talking about. And so I think that should be the progression of every Christian is going from, hey, well, none of this is lawful. No, all things are lawful, but what's profitable to me in my relationship with God? That's where we start and to with get others. a stronger brother. And with others, exactly. So on an individual basis within your home, man, I think there's a lot that that you know you can do in your own parameters as long as it's drawing you closer to God, walking in a worthy manner. When it comes to the church, yeah, I would say we want to yield to the to the weaker brother 
where possible, but I would study and study and study and study to try to see where they're at. So it's not just, hey, I saw the scripture one time and now I get to determine the the course of the church because I read scripture and became convinced in 15 minutes. No, we need a lot of study that's gone into this to determine before we let that decide the course of the church is what I'd say. But Jack, you had mentioned uh, just a, I think we got some time, just on the elders. What can elders specifically bind? This is something you've been into a lot. You've been writing on it, thinking about it, reading on it. How much should we expect elders to bind? We've used, we've kind of beat the Christmas one to death, but there could be a lot of other things. I mean, we talk about the color of the, or the, the uh, color of the carpet, the cover over the um, Lord's cover. These things split churches. And some well, the, the church clothes thing, you know, like there you go. Sure. some people think it's the most abhorrent thing in the world for uh, an eldership to say, look, we expect you guys to dress up at, you know, not like you have to buy clothes you can't afford, but like there's there's going to be a standard set here and, and we're going to encourage that or whatever, even or even modesty. Some people think it's the worst thing in the world when some a woman is pulled aside to say you need to put some more clothes on. And well, Romans 14 elders don't. And, and I've even seen discussions about like, well, what authority do elders have? Well, they can you know enforce the command or they can bind the commandments that the Bible gives beyond that. Not much. And so like a Wednesday night or like Wednesday night study. Let's just say that, you know, seven o'clock on Wednesday night, any able-bodied person, we expect you to be there. Well, you, they can't bind that. There's not a command that says that. Well, then what are they doing there? Why are they there? If God did not delegate them any authority to make specific decisions about what they think is best for the health of the congregation, can they take that too far? Yeah. Every authority hierarchy that God set up in, in mankind, whether government, whether parents, whether husbands, whether, uh, church elders can go too far, can overstep their bounds. And, and that's a real issue that happens. Absolutely. Amen. On the other hand, they got to have some authority to be able to tell their, the people of their congregation, Hey, this is, this is a problem. I, I think it would have been fine for them to say, look, don't be watching Game of Thrones. I mean, like, that's a real popular thing. I saw a lot of Christians post on Facebook. I don't think it would be wrong for elders to say, don't do that. It wouldn't, it's not wrong for elders to say, if you are able-bodied, you're not an older person, can't drive at night, whatever, and, and you, like, you're not otherwise occupied in a really serious way, we expect you to be there on seven, uh, Wednesday night at 7, and if you're not, we're going to be following up on why you're not. Well, uh, they don't have that authority in Scripture. Romans 14, it's a matter of opinion whether, you know, Wednesday night that's what they're there for is to come up with how in this congregation we're going to do it is, is the best specific practices. Yeah. Best practices. And, and if they don't have that authority, if all they can do is enforce the commands that anybody can read in their Bible or, or encourage, they, they wouldn't even let them enforce them, but encourage the commands that anyone has in their Bible. Why are they there? And so it is for things like this, for modesty, for Wednesday night services, for what the church is going to recommend on holidays you know for somebody's got to decide are we gonna have a christmas sermon or not well you've got to have that in there you've got to uh, submit to that authority to make that decision and that also means sometimes thinking they they missed that decision some they might have got it wrong but if not them then who let me also jump on a soapbox real fast because this is something that as you were talking and, and as will was talking earlier no we haven't had one of these in a while yeah the idea of the, young, the the weaker brother, he's got such problems. He thinks it's a sin. Boy, he's up in arms about something. And yet all he wants to do is gossip about it and potentially either leave the church or just fume behind the scenes. He really thinks the other people are sinning. Okay, let's take uh, Halloween, for instance. Now, I think Halloween's wrong, but I think it's a matter of opinion, personally. Um, you know, where I am today, 
I don't celebrate it. I'm not, I think you guys are, are less dogmatic about it than I am. Truly a weaker brother, stronger brother thing. I would be the weaker brother in this situation that you guys are stronger. If I really thought it was wrong, I better have the guts to go to you. If I thought you guys were in, in jeopardy to go to you and to make it right. And I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I don't think I'll get in trouble for mentioning it was our podcast. The alcohol podcast showed just how brutally off we get this in the church. We had letters written about us. We had private messages, not asking, you know, Hey, I think this is where we're at or things like that. Flaming us. You guys are in sin. You're going to hell. All of these things never really checking on the state of our souls, never wanting to engage in a good faith discussion. I shouldn't say never. We had a few that did want to engage in good faith. But the alcohol podcast showed me we have a lot of the brethren who, look, they want to have that conscience where, no, we're not going to do it at all. Okay, that's perfectly fine. But then the way they went about it, they want to judge us for it without ever checking on our soul, without ever doing a Matthew 18, without ever coming to us going, guys, I really think you're in sin. Instead, they'd rather write a letter about us and try to get us kicked out of the church and call us heretics. At what point does the weaker brother ever get to do that? I, I'm not seeing that in Romans 14, where you get to secretly stand behind the scenes, write letters about your brethren and say, you're going to hell for it. If you have a weaker conscience and you really do think the stronger brother is in sin, go to him. Matthew 18 still applies. You need to go and try to make this right and try to save this man's soul from hell if you really think it's that serious. People don't, it's to your point, Will, people don't take it that seriously. They want to act like it's it's not a matter of opinion, but when it comes to actually caring for the other person's soul, they act like it's a matter of opinion. So which is it? Is it a matter of opinion or is it truly a law that you're trying to follow? Because if it's a law, then the other person is in jeopardy. Go make it right with them. And if it's not a law, recognize it's an opinion and we can fall on different areas. That burns me to death that, oh, well, this is not a matter of opinion. And then it's like, okay, then why aren't you coming to me trying to save my soul from eternal damnation, which is what you seem to think I'm I'm currently headed toward. Come on. That's super <clears throat> frustrating to me. I, yeah, I sorry, agree. It's just a soapbox. I agree and disagree. I Where there's a relationship prior, I think there should be the, you know, like, hey, brother, what's going on here? I think you're really in the wrong. Some of the other ones, hey, this is a public teaching that's going out there and we're going to publicly oppose it. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I think we do that. And so uh, I'm okay with that to a degree. On the other hand, this is the hard part. Something like that is that was the whole point of our episode was this is a Romans 14 issue, which I mean, we got that idea from reading Romans 14 verse 21, which makes it a Romans 14 issue. <laughs> People like that was the the thing I just replied with every time is like, if you don't think it's a matter of opinion, why did Paul call it one? OK, I'm just siding with him here. So we're not going down that road again, but it's there to them. It's not that. And, and that's the really hard part. As I said earlier, that is the challenge to somebody who's the weaker brother is to recognize when you are being the the binder, being the one who's going too far with it. Um, promoting a principle saying, I think this is the best application of this principle. That is not binding that, you know, having discussions saying this, I think is what we need to be doing in this day and age. I think this is the proper application of these scriptural principles. That's not binding. Binding is something like exactly what you're talking about. One other thing I wanted to add on that, give everybody some homework, think through doctrinal issues, things the church does, things of personal morality, whatever, that where there's not maybe a clear command where you might be the weaker brother. Joe just did that with one where the Halloween thing, he's very uncomfortable with it, but he's not disfellowshipping me and will or, or writing us up or anything like that. And said, look, I'm the weaker brother on that. We all have things on which we're the weaker brother. It's okay to be weak, the weaker brother until you overextend your authority on it. And so think through that. Are there things that I'm not comfortable with, but that I allow and don't write people out of the church for disagreeing with me on? If there's nothing like that that comes to mind for you, that's probably not good. 
to Will's point earlier of you're probably not right about everything exactly down the line. And so you've got to have things like that. If everything is that way, there's a problem. If there's nothing that's that way, there's a problem. That's a good point. I don't know. I would, I, I would actually disagree with you a little bit on the public side of things. I know what you said. You disagree with me on it. I don't have a problem with them publicly opposing our teaching. I have a problem with them publicly calling us heretics that we're going to hell without. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, there's a a a degree to which it got uh, a little. There's a big difference in that. And I'm not trying to make a big point of it, but I'm just saying if you're going to condemn somebody, go to them first. If you're going to oppose our teaching, that's perfectly fine. Hey, they taught this. I agree. I disagree. Hey, that's again, we do that. Like I have no problem with that. If you're going to condemn somebody, at least have, and you can get a hold of them on Facebook maybe reach out to them first. That's my point on the weaker brother thing. But I do think that is great homework because that's, I'm, I'll be interested. And this is going to go to the deep end. Um, I want to know if there's anything specifically that you got, any specific situations, circumstances, biblical teachings or, or, or teachings, things that you very much hold to be that case that maybe you think maybe there's opinion on it, whatever it is. We want to know. Uh, but I love that homework of where do you fall on this and what things do you might, do you struggle with or maybe don't struggle with Um that speak well, to matters of opinion or not. One more thing. This is where the tyranny of the weaker brother thing becomes really bad. And we were talking right before we got on air about one strike fellowship that the church has. I disagree with you on one thing. You're done. Uh, we've talked about before people who love the podcast until the one episode, we say something they disagree with. And then they're just, they hate us. That stuff's got to stop because it keeps people from opening up and saying, well, I could you know, see being wrong about this, that, or the other thing you can't, there's no room for doubts. There's no room for gray area. There's no room to have discussions because Somebody might There's write no me out of the church. Romans 14. There's no yeah, room for Romans right. 14. It's awful. And so that's why this is such a big deal. I mean, on the one hand, you've got people cutting everybody down. On the other, you've got everybody just shutting down discussion saying we've got to keep Bible teaching to this incredibly narrow road of of narrow road. That's the wrong word to use. Narrow road's good. Like an incredibly narrow, you know, strip of things that we're allowed to talk about. That's why we have to get this right. So, Will, you've been trying to close, so I'll, I'll let it go so we can do that. So. No, no, I was just going to say I have nothing else to add, and my voice is hurting, so I was going to let one of you guys close. <laughs> All right, I'll take it over then. Uh, again, uh, Focus Plus, leave the comments uh, for the deep end. Should be an interesting one. Uh, everyone else, Facebook, of course, uh, we've got our page out there. Keep an eye on that. Uh, or our YouTube. Uh, I, I've been really busy trying to finish a book, uh, and so uh, I have not done a great job of checking up on comments, but I'm going to going to try and respond. Uh, we, we do love hearing from you guys. Um, it's important stuff and, and we're glad that people are engaging with it, thinking about it, uh, have your own opinions on it. And so, yeah, let us, let's hear what you have. Um, if there's nothing else, we will talk to you guys next week. Oh, no, Joe has a two fingers up. You have two more things. No, not two more things. Two weeks until Christmas, get your orders in. We did not do any at the beginning. We didn't even talk about it. We didn't do any ad reads, nothing like that. Two weeks until Christmas, please get gift your cards. orders in. It might be too late to ship, but we have Focus Press Store gift cards and uh, Focus Plus gift cards. So Focus Plus gift out. cards, that's good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, make sure to check that out. We'll wrap with that. All right, good call. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>